Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 30. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and on today's episode, I'll be interviewing Jared Weiner. Jared is the owner and head instructor of BJJ United, a school in Philadelphia he founded in 2002. In 2014, Jared, while competing, he suffered one of multiple concussions, and he talks about dealing with this challenging experience of post-concussion syndrome that can happen to anyone while training. He also shared his struggles from the early days as a brand new business owner. However, the main topic of this episode is about bringing awareness to concussions. So stay tuned right after Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org is www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Jared Widener. Jared is a fourth-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he's the owner and head instructor of BJJ United, a school in Philadelphia he founded in 2002. Jared has an extensive competition career. Just a few notable accomplishments are 2014 Pan Master 2 gold medalist, three-time Pan Am Nogi Master Champion, three-time fight-to-win pro champion and Kasai pro fight champion. He is the head instructor and leader of Tag Team BJJ Association, which was founded in 2013. The Tag Team BJJ Association has distinguished itself as being the leading fundraiser at the Tap Cancer Out Philadelphia BJJ Open for the last three years. In 2014, Jared, while competing, he suffered one of multiple concussions. Concussion-related symptoms kept him off the mat and out of the competition scene for an extended period of time. Since then, he has become an advocate for increased awareness of the effects of concussion in the brain. Jared, welcome to the podcast. Gustavo, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, it's been a long time since we have been chat, so it would be good to uh, put all the, the news up to date and see what's going on. So just let us know first how did you show up in your life? So pretty much um, when I was in, uh, in 95, 1995, I was pretty big time skateboarder in, in Philadelphia. Um, that was my passion. That was my, that was my main thing back in the day. And um, one of my good friends, his name was, uh, his name's Bean. He was already training Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Philadelphia. And um, I was literally skateboarding by the academy down Chestnut Street. And he happened to walk out of the door. And he called me over. He was like, hey, Jared. And I came over and he introduced me to my first teacher, Steve Maxwell, right on the street. 
I went upstairs. I checked out the gym. I went back the next day, took my first class, and that was it. Never looked back. <laughs> wow. And how do you feel BJ relate to life now since how long have you been training now? So 23 years closer? 23 going on 24 years now. Yeah. yeah. So was that 2019? Yeah, that'll make about 24 years, right? 23 and a half years. Yeah. Sure. So how do you feel BJ relate to life? It it is life for me hmm. at this point. Um it, it's it was the ultimate game changer when I started because I first started as a scrappy, skinny little kid who was getting into street fights here and there. And, um, you know, that's where we all started. It was more of a self-defense street thing back in the day. And it kind of, it obviously, it morphed and transpired over the years uh, for me into a more of a sport thing and a competitive thing and a teaching thing. Um, but it, it jujitsu to me is everyday life for me. It teaches me how to get through, you know, any situation I have, whether it be physical, mental, it always comes down to that chess game and, and jujitsu and just, the, the overall aura of jiu-jitsu for me. And when did you have the spark to actually open up your school? You know, when was that moment? I opened up in 2002. Um, myself and a few other guys at the academy we were training at at the time, uh, we were avid competitors in the lower belts. Um, in 2002, I was a brown belt. and uh, But we were always competing even white, blue, purple into brown belt then. And I felt at the time we just weren't kind of getting – what we needed at the academy. Um, and I, I, I wanted a more competition-oriented thing back mm -hmm. then. Um, so I decided to just kind of go off and do my own thing at the time and start my own academy. I was already teaching some classes at the academy I was at. So, you know, it was looked down upon, obviously, by some people, but I felt I needed to do what I needed to do for myself and my development back in the day, and here we are today. Yeah, and how was dealing with that? some of the fears, the doubts, or even, you know, things that could have prevented you from actually starting. Cause a lot of people, there's so many people listening to the podcast that actually when they would like to open up a business, I'm not even saying jujitsu, could be a jujitsu school, but that initial step, it can be frightening for a lot of people. So how did you deal with some of the, that uncertainty of opening a school? It, it was, it was petrifying cause I had no clue about business back then. All I knew was training. And, and teaching some classes. And, you know, so I didn't know the first thing about paying rent. I didn't know the first thing about paying bills. I didn't know the first thing about student retention. I didn't know the first thing about treating people properly. I just knew about training. Um, so when I did open up my school, I actually went and talked to my teacher and the school owner that I was at face to face, like a man, and put it all on the table and ended on a handshake and hugs. And I tried to keep it civil because I felt they gave me so much. They took me in off the streets pretty much back when I was a young teenager. So I owed them that much to not open up a school around the corner. It was all the way on the other side of the city. You needed to drive there. It wasn't like a walking distance thing. So I was realistically no competition for them whatsoever when I opened up. And, you know, and then it was basically just, you know, getting the first few people in the door and, and learning how to run a school and a brand name, which I didn't know anything about back then, neither. It was just, it was just me teaching and kind of, it just developed from there. Yeah. And I relate, man, I can't imagine how uncomfortable that talk was when you came to the anxiety level that was for you to go there and, and actually express, you know, what were your plans? And I do relate a little bit in a way that in 1996, 
I had to make a decision to change teams. I was training with a Fernando Cruz, one of Ricardo de la Riva's black belt. And he was, uh, he had other priorities and his life was going to a completely different direction that he wasn't teaching for about six months. I was just, I was a purple belt covering classes here and there and basically got to a point that all the students left. And he was a, I like to say he was a police officer, but one of the training days, you know, for people watch training days, Denzel, <laughs> kind of like that in Brazil. So people are extremely intimidated of him and people just would leave. They would not go even talk with him and and got to a point that we're, cha- we're training just the favor, you know, in some other people's school. And I finally, me and a friend of mine had to go down his house and sit down and talk with him in his living room. They were the only two period that ever did this move to go there and don't get me wrong man i was shaking and i was really you know scared but like you said you know at the end of the day you got to do whatever's the best for you and that you know and if i did not make that uncomfortable call i would not be where i'm at today and i believe that with you the same way if you didn't make that call your life would have gone a completely different direction so props for you know standing up and kind of being open of how you're feeling and what are your intentions you know you got that out of your chest. I mean, how do you feel? I remember like, um, I remember walking down the stairwell vividly after that conversation. Cause to get into the Academy, it was like a second and third floor Academy back in the city, back in the day. Um, so I, I remember vividly like getting up and walking down that corridor back down to the street, like sweating and just being like, wow, did, did I really, I questioned myself. I actually, I questioned myself. I was like, did I really just make the right choice? I'm, I'm on my own now. Um, I need to, you know, I already had the the storefront at the time picked out, but nothing was set in stone. So at that time, it was building a a, a very basic place out for back in the day and and getting the ball started. And I I was nervous. I was scared. But, um, you know, like you said, everything worked out for for the best. And and I I really believe as well, if I didn't make that decision at that time, my life would have completely taken another direction. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be even close to where I am today. For sure. Now, one of the questions that I always like to ask people about some of the toughest moments that people ever face in entrepreneurship, and I know that one of the struggles that we talk a little bit in the intro about the concussion. I I feel that this that has to be. I I don't know, but it has to be one of the major struggles that you ever faced in your life, business or not. So. I'd like you to expand a little bit let, on this, let people know what happened and how has been the lesson, you know, how much have grown since we ex- you experienced this? Well, I'm sure over the years through training jujitsu, through skateboarding, through fighting, through anything, because I played a lot, of, I played a lot of physical sports growing up as well. Um, I probably had multiple concussions and stuff back then. I, I think I had a few documented. I went to a hospital for a few, even when I was younger. So, but fast forward to 2014, which a lot of people know the story during like a three week span, three or four week span, I actually had three concussions in like three weeks, which like people say, like if they get back to back concussions, it could be a fatal thing. So like, um, one was in training. I remember the first one was in training. I tried a flying triangle and I landed on the back of my head missed completely and i remember being rattled didn't feel right um a week later i fought um it was uh new york summer open it was in july um 
I, uh, I was grip fighting with my first opponent or as a second opponent that day. And, um, I tried a wrist lock right off the feet and he scooped down and picked up a single leg right off the wrist lock. And I went straight up and literally straight down right on the back of my head again. And I remember in that moment, in that fight, like I saw that camera flash and I was still in the fight, but I just didn't know what was going on at that point. Like I just, I think instinctively fought through it. Um, so we got through that day. I remember after that match, I was in the restroom, like dry heaving over a trash can. And I never would do that, you know? So I, I knew something was wrong. Um, had Chicago open a week later, which I was still determined because I had lost that finals in New York. So I was determined to come back. And I was like, in my mind, being the competitor, I got to make up for that loss. I got to get right back out there. I got to go try to get back on top of the podium immediately. Um, so during that week, I got kneed in the jaw by one of my students and knocked out cold again. So like not even a week later, um, from that moment on, it took about a year with some, a little bit of rehab and just going to see concussion specialists. I didn't have the proper rehab I thought I had at the time as well, which I'm paying for now. Um, so that took me out literally for about a year of jujitsu competition, um, on the mats, I couldn't like for the first, like for like, I'd say like three to six months after that third one where I got knocked out cold, I couldn't even function, couldn't even teach, couldn't take like people training around me, running around me. Cause just like all the movements, cause my eyes weren't tracking properly any longer. So like, um, I went into a serious depression. I went into a massive funk where I couldn't even leave my home. Um, I was having a hard time being around my kid. Um, who my daughter is my favorite thing in the world, you know, like, so I was having a hard time being around my child, having a hard time in my marriage at the time, having a hard time at the academy with the business. So you can imagine like all these stresses of taking like three back to back shots like that put me out. So um, they put me on some medications, they put me on this, which the medications, in my opinion, made me feel even different, like worse, you know, my weight started blowing up, everything was just off. So finally, like, um, like I said, about a year with some basic eye drills and, and seeing um, a concussion specialist, uh, I was able to come back. Okay. So say like from 2015 to like, what, 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 like 2018, February, 2018. All right. I had a decent run again. I, I was competing. I was training hard again, but during that process, I was lying to everybody around me and lying to myself that I was feeling good. Only my closest people knew like I still wasn't all back and all normal from that first set back in like 2014. So I'm taking little hits during the process, little hits, little hits. And then, um, the Kasai, Kasai one called me for, for a match, uh, the Kasai pro for the first show. Um, during the process of training for that, the same thing happened again, where it was two days in a row. I got two concussions in a row again, just from training hard. I don't know if it's my luck. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, first one was like arm drag, single leg. Uh, I smashed my head and my neck and, and my face right into my partner's hip bone. And I knocked myself out done. Man. I, and my whole neck got like some like flexed and jacked and I was gone. So shook it off, kept fighting in that, in that training session, kept training because, you know, Kasai, I had to be in it. I didn't want to not compete. So the next day, same thing, my head bounced off the mat, like doing a position, taking somebody's back, like just over the top, boom, 
head bounce, the same thing, camera flash. And from that, from that day on, I think it was November. That was about a year ago. Um, it was like never right going into the tournaments again, going in this. And I went to Kasai. I walked to the mat that night, not even knowing where I was. That's how bad it was. It was, and it was just like straight off instinct, got the job done that night. And I took like two months off or yeah, a few months off again after that and tried to do one more tournament in 2000 in 2018, or I'm sorry, it was the beginning of 2018. Tried to do one more tournament in February. Um, it was, uh, the, it was like the world pro trials. And, um, I fought in the heavyweight division just to try something different. <laughs> and, um, and after that day, like, I don't remember getting hit that day or getting my neck wrenched that day or anything like that. But that night, I didn't think I was going to survive. Something happened where my brain just wasn't working right anymore. And I, I literally thought that night I wasn't going to survive. And my eyes weren't working. I was dry heaving all over the place. My head was pounding. There was pressure. In my, it, was, it was the worst night of my life. So that kind of fast forward to now, where we're at again is I've been, I, I was introduced to a, a new doctor, um, a new rehab um, facility called Vincera, Vincera Institute uh, in South Philly, where all the pro athletes go, all the Eagles are going, all the Flyers are going, all the Sixers are going. So um, I was kind of put into this team of doctors and specialists that have kind of started me, uh, started guiding me properly, like an athlete. Mm -hmm. All right, trying to bring me back to play and bring me back feeling normal again, instead of just like the first doctor was doing, putting me on antidepressants, putting me on medications, messing with more chemicals in my brain. So the approach I'm taking now is like, it, it's, a, it's a professional athlete's approach. And um, they got me doing really good things again. My eyes are starting to track better again with all the exercises we're doing. And I'm being surrounded by professional athletes in there every day, mm -hmm. which, is, which is motivating as well. And feeling like a professional athlete, which what we are in our sport, mm -hmm. this is what we do. But, you know, so that, that was, you know, long story short, that's where we are today, um, you know, going forward. Now, what, what kind of content, what kind of tips or everything what you've been going through the past basically four years what would you like to share with practitioners or teachers or parents to look into because I mentioned I'm not knowledgeable in this topic at all so I don't know if it's like maybe cues you know that something is not off so what do you have to to give to the listener to watch more and absolutely not underestimate you know, the power of concussion, but what do you have to share with them tips or whatever you, you think? Like that you said it, like not to underestimate it because I didn't respect it. At first I really didn't respect it until I started feeling different and never stopped feeling different. All right. So imagine feeling one way your whole life, you know, just winning pan a few months earlier in 2014, I right, feeling at the top, you know, a lifelong goal for me. All right. The top of my game, feeling great. And then just a few months later, you feel like a totally different person because your brain's not working the same anymore. All right. So you go from like a complete high to a complete low. So people need to start to realize um, when you're feeling different. All right. Like like a fog, like a brain fog, like you're, you're living in a haze, you know, almost like you're high. All right. Or a drunk or a high feeling where my if your balance isn't right anymore, if you're walking and you feel like you're missing steps, constant headaches. 
what's real uh, dynamic for me is this left eye pressure that I get. My left eye will close on its own and it just feels like there's a vice in my eye because what they tell me is if I'm, so I'm looking at you through the screen right now. Mm-hmm. All right. But my eye will hit that, but bounce off it in a different direction. So my eye is not tracking the screen. So for it wants to like look over here or over here and it can't focus on you right here. So it puts that crazy pressure and like it won't follow. That makes sense mm-hmm. to you. So you can imagine in a grocery store or a crowd, you know, like the Eagles game or, or you know, or if you're going to the Cardinals game, <laughs> imagine all the people and all the movement and all the sounds and everything going on around you at once. It's like torture for me. I want to jump off a building. All right. So my brain just couldn't take it all in. Um, those are some of the signs that um, if I was sitting here, if I was looking at my phone and it, it started to like, I couldn't even see my phone anymore. It was just like a, like an aura migraine almost where everything was just flashing colors at me. Nothing was working. So th- those are some of the signs of the lethargicness, always tired, lost motivation to do anything. All right. And I was in this deepest, worst, darkest depression you could possibly realize. All right. And all those things with the brain, it, you know, the anxiety that comes with it as well is also a huge sign because you start to worry and freak out because you don't feel the same and it's not going away. So that just adds more stress on top of the stress you already have. So it's like a vicious cycle, vicious, vicious cycle. And honestly, I didn't respect it. And I wish I would have respected it and listened to my body after that first day I knocked the back of my head. And how did it change you as a teacher? You know, your awareness on the mat when people, you know, maybe banging heads. Or how is your? How did it change you as a teacher? Um, I'm I'm super overprotective now <laughs> of my guys and my students and, and the the everybody, the kids, everything. So before the old me, you know, I see somebody crack heads and you know, suck it up, yeah. get back on the mat. We got we got we're training hard. Let's go. We got tournaments to win. We got stuff to do. We got medals to get. You know. That, you know, I look back on that now, you know, that might not be the best approach mm-hmm. for everybody or or because, you know, this could prolong, this could really damage somebody. So it, it took this happening to me, you know, for me to kind of wake up and realize that, you know, I need to protect everybody a little more, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to like cracking your head around stuff like that. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about, I know that you're a big football fan. How do you feel about, you know, concussion and football and what's going on with it? How do you feel about it? I don't know how these guys are getting through their day to day. They, they, they're just, cause like I said, I've been training next to some huge names. I, I probably can't say their names cause they're in there confident with confidentiality with rehabbing their injuries mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And some of their stuff, but let's just say some of like the top tier NFL players that have gotten injured this year, I've been working out next to, um, and just talking to these guys and hearing their stories and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty amazing that because they're telling me, imagine getting hit like a car wreck every week, multiple times a game since peewee football, you know, peewee football, high school football, college football, NFL time every week car car wrecks car wrecks car wrecks to i I don't know how these guys are doing it i don't know how they're functioning properly because we're doing jujitsu we're we're just doing jujitsu i'm cracking my head on the mat i'm cracking my 
head, you know, with other students, with, with other guys in tournaments and stuff. Yeah. We hit hard. We, the sweep you do where you put the guy over the top. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I, I was at the tournament with you when that one guy got knocked out cold and his yeah. neck got jacked up. Remember that? Yeah. So yeah, that force is serious, but like these guys, the hockey players, the NFL players, I don't know how they're doing it. And I mean, a lot of guys are paying for it now later yeah. in their careers or later in life. It, it's scary. It's definitely scary. So what, what have you heard as far as do they give you like suggestions or things that, you know, uh, maybe pick up here and there about their, their experience? It's a lot, you know, a lot of these guys are, and you hate to say it, they're chasing that, that big paycheck. That's more important than health for some of them. Not all yeah, these guys, you know, cause they're billionaires, they're zillionaires. They're, they're getting paid the biggest money in, in sports to go out there and perform. And they're there to support their family. They're support themselves as well. So I can understand why they kind of want to look the other direction when it comes to some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, there's, there's story, you know, it's scary. It's scary. They talk about some former players, some former teammates and former stuff like that. And they tell me about some of the stuff they're going through and they see some of the drills and the exercises I'm going through that, you know, they're like, I've been there, but what they do tell me for the most part, if you take it seriously, it will get better. Dude, uh, this is, um, this is insane. It's, it's even interesting how people say, well, MMA is too violent or this needs to be in here. I'm like, dude, football, it's, insane how violent the game is it's so violent it's insane it's insane i I just don't know how these guys do it so um in like two weeks i have an appointment in pittsburgh with dr mickey collins who's like the most renowned concussion specialist in the country in pittsburgh and uh that's where all the like uh i know dale earnhardt was just pretty open about all his head stuff and you know Sidney crosby from the pittsburgh penguins and all these big time names go to this doctor in pittsburgh so the team of doctors i'm with now that i'm seeing uh got me set up with him and so i'm gonna go there and just keep the ball rolling and and you know try to get my life back to the full full force again and you know get my neck fixed which is definitely part of the problem get the head fixed, get the eye tracking proper again, and just, you know, get back to good, um, good quality of life again. Cause that's honestly what I've been lacking the last four years. It's uh, it's been quality of life has not been great, but I've just forged through it, you know, build a huge team here, you know, have a lot of awesome students still training, but not the way I used to. Um, but basically I just want that great quality of life back so I could just enjoy it with my daughter. And, and, you know, my students and my friends and, and my loved ones again, because really that's what's been missing the last few years, you know, so that's what I look forward to for real. So one of the questions that I like to ask is about high performance habit of a habit that has helped you in progress in jujitsu and business in life. So I don't know if you, if it was prior you already doing or after this experience, what's something that you try to do every day that helps you with a good habit that you you have developed? a great habit that I'm really proud of and that I try to pass on to my students as well is zero excuse making. Um, I, I, I know that's kind of off the, off the question no, a little okay. bit, but um, it, I, I get disgusted with excuse making, especially when um, uh, if a student loses a tournament or I lose a tournament, you won't hear a peep come out of my mouth about it. I will just move on and I will get ready for the next event without making excuse and try to 
fix what happened. All right. Like when I hear people say it was my first time in black belt, blah, I don't, that's an excuse to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first time in that weight class. I lost to the guy that won the division. We all, we all yeah. hear that one. You know what I mean? Or um, I don't blame anybody for my own faults. I don't blame the people around me. I don't blame my training. I don't blame anything. I give praise to the person. If they, they beat me, congratulations and move on and get ready to rock and roll and do it all again and not make excuses. You start making excuses for bad things that happen in the mat. The same, you're going to do the same thing in life. Absolutely. All right. So you go down a real dark corridor right there and, and then you just start blaming others for everything. And that's something I'm really proud that I do not do. I, I, I do my best and, and I try to be like, I'm like overly cautious of never being an excuse mm-hmm. maker because it, it, it disgusts me. It disgusts me personally. So that, you know, that's a huge habit that I have and a big habit that I have. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Now, what did you say is the best advice you have ever received? And you can mention whatever you want, jujitsu, life, business, something that you have stuck with it. I remember one of the first business, uh, one of my first business mentors, his name was Joe Perioli. He's passed away since. Um, he, he started, um, he was training with us back at our original school and had a school over in New Jersey. And uh, Joe was a great guy. And when I first opened my own school, Joe was already uh, an established school owner. And what he told me was, I, I thought it was interesting at the time. He said, you know, you're going to have, you can't make everybody happy. It's impossible. We can't make any, we can't make everybody happy. Um, he said, if you have a student that no longer wants to be at your school or no longer wants to train with you, let them go peacefully, mm-hmm. let them go. Don't chase them around. Don't slander them. Don't, don't try to force an answer. Why out of them, let them go peacefully and just make life easier because you're going to have a million more people that want to come train with you after that. And he said, you know, just don't obsess over those small things. And that always stuck with me to just, you know, not obsess over the little setbacks or the people not wanting to train with you anymore or the, or the people leaving your school, the people doing this. You know, fortunately, knock on wood, I haven't had too many of that over the years. But for the few I have, you just have to learn to let them go peacefully. You know, we're all adults here and, and, and you can't really force adults to do anything and tell adults what to do. People are going to do what they want and you just have to accept that. And this is life. Yeah, my one of the advice that I received actually from my my coach under Pedaneras, he said, Gustavo, the question is simple. You just ask, are you happy? If the person say no, so say so go find your happiness. You know, the last thing you want is people, you know, not happy at the place for whatever reason they have and being a bad seed, you know, and just influence being a toxic person. So please just, you know, do us a favor and go. And one of the things too that I always think about it and I mention to people is especially for the instructors out there, like you just mentioned, not taking personal, you know, it's just like, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, students come, students go, instructors come to help you, instructors go, but at the end of the day, you're the one keeping the lights on, paying the bills and everything, so you have to make the best decisions for the business and do the best, and I totally understand, when I was younger, I would take a lot more personal. You know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of like the culture they brought from Brazil, you know, the whole, you know, rivalry and all that kind of stuff. You know, I just kind of brought it with me. And then eventually as you 
become more emotionally mature, you know, getting some tips like that, just like, that's true. That's his, that's his journey. There you go. Go ahead. Um, do your thing. Now, what advice would you give to your younger self, the younger Jared, when he was opening the school? If you had, I know that it's tough to just pick one advice, but what would you tell him if you're opening that school? I would tell myself to take this more seriously from day one and don't treat it like a hobby from day one. That's how I treated it. I treated it like a hobby for so many years, you know, and then finally, you know, I guess it was 2007. We, we moved to a bigger location, the same location I'm still at now, but it, it took so many years to start to treat it as a business and not as a hobby. And I wish I would have treated it like a business from the onset because it, it would have, it would have changed a lot of things from the door. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the, the biggest uh, pieces of advice I give myself. And honestly, um, I really wouldn't change too much else. I mean, maybe, maybe in the beginning when I was, a, I started my school as a brown belt and um, maybe I, there was other black belts in the area with schools open already. So maybe there was a, a tad bit of insecurity and stuff when I first opened as a brown belt and I tried to, tried to make up for that as being a hard ass yeah. and being more of a drill sergeant, being more of like, you know, over the top a little bit. So maybe I wish I, maybe I should have mellowed out a little bit from the beginning, but those were all life lessons that I had to learn myself and kind of overcome and realize people are going to come train with me or not. Just like what we talked about before. So yeah, that maybe that's some of the stuff I, some advice I would have given myself in the very beginning. Yeah, but I, but I feel, Jared, this is so common in the jiu-jitsu community like it was for me. I was just doing jiu-jitsu because it was cool and I'm in my hobby. Next thing, you know, you realize that, huh, I can actually, you know, make some money doing jiu-jitsu. That's cool. And I keep training and go competing. So we go in, I mean, I'm not saying oh, generalize, I'm saying uh, years ago, especially that mentality, you were coming in more like, cool, I'm just getting paid with something that I like to do and not thinking so much about the business. And like you said, you know, if you treat your business like a hobby, you get paid like a hobby, you know, if you treat like a business, be like a business. So um, I wish I could say to, you know, so many uh, very similar to you, but one of those things we did the best we could with the emotional maturity that you had at that moment in to be where you're at today, to have the people that you have in your life, you had to go through all these scenarios, you know, and, and learn from it. Now, I don't know if you like much reading or audiobooks or but is there any specific book that you have read that made an impact on you and you'd like to share? Actually, I, I like reading like some, uh, some sports biographies and mm -hmm. stuff like that, some athletes. And I, I'm always, I've always been obsessed with ice hockey fighters, the guys who took on the fighting roles back in the day. And the, the best book, the best hockey book that I read was called The, the Razor's Edge uh, by Rob Ray, who was a famous uh, Buffalo Sabre. And he was one of their all-time best uh, fighters and tough guy, you would say, on the ice. But the, the, he gets so in-depth how, like, it's the same thing, the depression you go through as the fighter, as the guy everybody always looks to, to protect, to protect, 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 you know, but he's also a human and he's got a job to do on the ice, punching other guys' faces in to protect his guys, but, and the, the mental and physical toll it takes, you know, that was a great book. And I actually, I, I pulled a lot from that book, um, you know. Not, not from a huge business sense, but just from a, a mental and physical sense, you know, from, from a leadership point of view. I thought that was an awesome book. Yeah, I remember I, that was a long time ago, but when I lived in Vegas, 
they have uh, one of the, the boxing coaches there used to, they introduced him like, hey, he's a professional hockey player. I was new in the U.S. I didn't know much about it. And then like, yeah, no, he, he trains because, you know, they fight in the game all the time. I'm like, really? I mean, I didn't know much about it. And then the guy was getting like proper training for this crap, you know? So that's, uh, there's, you know, there's some serious guys out there that, man, they, they can throw, they can throw down. Well, throw bombs. <laughs> crazy. So Definitely. now, uh, what are you currently excited about? What's going on, going on with the school? Um, right now, the, our association, Tag Team Jiu-Jitsu, um, is growing. It's growing huge. It's, it's growing at a pretty good clip. Um, we have schools, you know, a bunch up and down the East Coast and a bunch of states, and we just expanded to Illinois, um, and we have some other big expansions coming in the next few months. Um, we have schools in Japan. We have schools in Guam, Jersey, Texas, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania. So the association is doing good, and this honestly wasn't something that I – envision taking off so big but all of a sudden this thing's just morphing into a really really cool team and, and with a with a family vibe it's not just people coming on paying association fees and stuff like that because we don't do that um so it, it's that team's growing the team's about to grow like i said very soon with some other awesome schools coming on board and you know my school itself here has been growing at a rapid clip as well um we're developing some really awesome competitors coming. They've kind of taken the torch. We have a lot of good guys coming out of here at all the, all the belts, but at the adult black belt level as well, the guys are doing good. Um, so I'm excited for that. And honestly, I'm excited to feel better. I'm excited to come back. And like I said, I set a goal for myself, hopefully by spring 2019, I could come back and at least get on a fight to win card or do something again, just for fun. Yeah, but you know, I say for fun, but you know, once yeah. it's, it's go time, like it's the training's not going to be all fun and games anymore. You know how we are. Yeah, um, exactly. So, but yeah, I, I hope to get back out there. I hope to, you know, I, I don't want to be done. I'm, I'm honestly not ready to be done, but I've, I really enjoyed being a coach the last year or so again and, and stepping back and just watching the guys take over and, and do great. But you know, I'm ready to get back out there. That's, awesome. you know, now we're getting close to the end of the interview. So for the listeners, just stick around for my final thoughts for those who are listening, maybe for the first time, usually after the interview, I just uh, give my final thoughts on an interview, share some personal development. So good stuff. And to wrap it up, Jared, how they can get in contact with you, plus a message that you have to them, especially related to concussion. I, w I would just say really, really pay attention to your body, pay attention. If you take a hit, it doesn't have to be a hard hit. It doesn't have to be in a violent hit. It could be any, it could be a tap to the jaw. Like I said, that knocked me out or a crack to the back of the head off the mat that put me out. So the body's a weird thing. Um, keep an eye on yourself. If you feel different, go see a doctor. Don't delay it. You should see a doctor immediately and get the proper professional help. There's so much information about this, you know, out there now like there wasn't even a few years ago and it's developing such at a rapid rate, but go, go find a specialist, a sports, you know, specialist who, who specializes in concussion stuff, um, you know, to make sure you're okay. Cause it's, you know, don't take it lightly. Like we said, cause it, you know, use me as an example, put me in a bad spot for the last four years that I, I wish I've never experienced, you know, um, yeah. it's been, it's been horrible, but, um, 
Yeah, so... And how people can find more about you or a website or Facebook? Um, our, our, um, our school's website is uh, www.bjjunited.com. You can check out our school there. Our Instagram page is bjj slash underscore united. And uh, right now, I've, I've actually taken my Facebook down right now mm-hmm. just to lay off of my own mobile time and social yeah. media time mm-hmm. just to like so i've i've dialed it down to just an instagram page right now and uh probably eventually once i start to get back to the mats again a little more uh, i'll probably go back on the facebook social media a little bit but for now just just instagram awesome thank you so much for being at the podcast jared really appreciate you sharing this this is such an important topic that people should not underestimate whatsoever and get more information, like Jared said, you know, just go online. Just don't underestimate if you're a parent, watch your kid. If you're an instructor, pay attention, you know, in the class, things that can happen. And definitely can get more information about it. So, Jared, thank you so much. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's? Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the fourth degree black belt, Jared Weiner. If you're listening just to the final thoughts, Jared is the owner and head instructor of BJJ United, a school in Philadelphia he founded in 2002. In 2014, Jared, while competing, he suffered one of multiple concussions and concussion-related symptoms kept him off the mat and out of the competition scene for an extended period of time. And since then, he has become an advocate for increased awareness of the effects of concussion in the brain. So in this episode, we didn't talk so much about entrepreneurship and business. However, I wanted to use the podcast to help Jared to spread the message to you and to the BGG community that includes students, parents, and instructors that concussion is no joke. And as usual, after the interview, I like to research the topic to learn more about my takeaway to share with you. And I end up watching a few documentaries about concussions for these final thoughts, since concussions are a huge topic in today's world. I found one of Jared's main message to be very similar to all documentaries I watch, which is do not underestimate concussions. Very often in training jiu-jitsu can get hit unintentionally in your head training or competing and or hit your head hard on the mat or even on the concrete out of the competition area take a look at some of the matches at the adcc people scrambling out of the competition area the referees letting them go for quite some time and i hope it won't take someone to get knocked out from hitting their head on the floor to stop them from allowing that and even the ibjjf have made some changes in the rules few years ago to protect the competitor from possible head injury. For example, in the IBJJF rule book, it's Article 6 is dedicated to fouls. There are disciplinary penalties and there are technical penalties. And the technical penalties are divided in three parts. One is lack of combativeness, two serious penalties, and three severe penalties. And one of the rules change is related to the severe penalties. Quote, when the athlete who's defending a single leg takedown while the athlete attacking has his head outside of his opponent's body intentionally projects his attacker to the ground by grabbing his opponent's belt to make him hit the floor with the head, unquote. This athlete will be disqualified from the match. I feel that this was a good adjustment because I have seen people getting knocked out going face first from this specific counter. Now, This message is for everyone who trains, and especially if you're a competitor, even if you compete once in a while. 
Imagine you're competing at the IBJJF Pen Championship in Irvine, California. Right in the beginning of the match, you and your opponent bang heads super hard and you get a flash knockout dropped and you wake up back paddling trying to recover the guard as you two go out of bounds. Question, what would you do? Would you continue the match? Or would you stop since you know that there is a really good chance of you having a concussion? And if you get hit hard again, that can generate a big problem for your life. What would you do? Matter of fact, in 2015, this exact scenario happened with me at the Pan Championship. The year that I turned 41, I challenged myself to qualify to compete at the adult world, and I needed to score at least 50 points in the IBJJF ranking to be eligible to compete. And I had 36 ranking points at that point of that tournament. And I was competing in the featherweight division, and right at the beginning of the match, I experienced one of the hardest head collisions that I've ever had. When we went out of bounds, I was still trying to recoup, and I asked the referee for the medics to come in so I can have more time to recover. And I didn't think twice, but I thought, man, I have to continue. The match just started. I don't remember all the details of the match, but I remember that it took me a good four to five minutes to get into the match and he swept me a swept back and I believe he swept me again and maybe around seven minutes he caught me with a crucifix and I lost. Now why am I telling you this story? Because honestly if this scenario would have happened again then most likely I would have stopped. Of course that my competitor spirit and my ego would keep telling me to go however when I look at it right now almost four years later I think I would have stopped. Did you have a chance to watch Will Smith's movie Concussion? If you haven't, you should definitely check it out. I watched the documentary that originated the idea for the movie on the same year, and that did something to me. Now I think I'm not a professional athlete, and winning a tournament is not going to change anything in my life whatsoever at age 44 in 2018. Imagine if I get hit again during the same tournament. So personally... I have a lot more respect for concussion nowadays, and you should respect as well. So there are two elements that are crucial for you to not underestimate concussion. Number one is self-awareness. Know your body and trust your instincts. If something feels odd, just look further into it. Symptoms of concussion fall into four categories, physical, cognitive, emotional or mood related, and sleep. So physical symptoms of concussion include headache, fuzzy and blurred vision, nausea or vomiting, dizziness, sensitivity to noise or light, balance problems, feeling tired or having no energy. Cognitive symptoms of a concussion include difficulty thinking clearly, feeling slowed down, difficulty concentrating, Difficulty remembering new information. Emotional symptoms of a concussion include irritability, sadness, erratic emotions, nervousness or anxiety, sleeping more or less than usual, or trouble falling asleep. Some symptoms may appear right away while others may not show for days or even months after the injury. And now the second crucial element after self-awareness is Number two, courage. 
courage to speak up. If you feel that you need to sit out, you need to sit out. You don't have to play the tough guy who believes the concussion is overrated. And for all the instructors, we all need to watch the students with even more attention, especially when we're talking about concussion. To wrap up, stay safe in class. Always take good care of your teammates. And if you notice something different with you or a teammate, let your teacher know ASAP. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.